0: Sonny Dyke spoke to the media on Tuesday. He gave an update uh, on the he- on the health of a few of his players and timetables for return or being done for the season. And also, he did some evaluation of his offense and defense. We'll talk about that all next. It's locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. You are locked on Horn Frogs, your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right. Locked on HorrorFrog your team every day. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you like to listen to podcasts as well. Subscribe on those platforms. Uh, also, I would appreciate it. Sonny Dyke spoke with the media on Tuesday in his weekly press conference and he gave a few updates. First, we'll start with, with some health updates. So um, some guys that are done for the year. Johnny Hodges out for the season. Johnny got hurt early in the season, um, had that hand injury worked his way back, ends up playing against Texas Tech, but then left that game as well. And they're just going to go ahead and shut him down for the year. Uh, so unfortunate deal. I know, you know, Shad Banks has done a nice job um, filling in and I think he's been really good, but uh, I, I still feel like they miss Johnny to a certain extent. And Sonny mentioned that he should be back next season. He didn't see a reason why he wouldn't be, you know, ready to go for next year. So another year of eligibility for Hodges and the defense, but, Uh, Not the year we expected from him coming off a really good season in year one after he transferred from Navy and just couldn't stay healthy this year. So um, he's out. Also, Dalen Wright and um, Warren Thompson are done for the year. Both guys transferred in. Thompson from Arkansas, Wright from Minnesota. And, I mean, they both did some nice things, but um, Dalen never really lived up to the expectations. Again, though, he was just a guy that couldn't – couldn't stay healthy. I mean, when he was on the field, he made some plays, had a nice touchdown catch against Colorado, um, had a good game against West Virginia, where it looked like maybe he had put things together, but ultimately just couldn't stay with it. And I think I think Warren's done um, with eligibility. I'm not sure what Wright's status is and what he could be or what he could do moving forward. This is his third school because he started at AM, then went to Minnesota and now ended up here at TCU. Um, but both guys are unfortunately going to miss the remainder of the year. He did say that Jack Besh could come back uh, this Saturday against Baylor, so it would be nice to see Jack back on the field. He's another player that's just dealt with the injury bug and doesn't seem like he's been 100% really all year long. Um, And all these guys, it's going to be very fascinating to see what happens in the offseason because you have some talented players that didn't see a lot of playing time, not really their fault, but they just, for whatever reason, they weren't able to stay on the field. And if you're going to make changes in the offseason with your coaching staff and there's, you know, there's no sign that it's happening yet, but if you're going to make those changes, then I would think you could expect some attrition. Um, there'll also just be guys that move on to the NFL or try to move on to other opportunities. So that'll be something to watch um, because you, you have a number of skill players that they had high hopes for that just haven't seen the field a lot and haven't touched the ball a lot. And so I don't know where those – where the mindset is of those players. Obviously, that's going to be on an individual basis. But, um, yeah, rough scene for uh, for TCU football from an injury standpoint is they lose three guys to injury for the rest of the year, according to um, Sonny Dykes, the head coach. Sonny was also asked – he gave a long press conference yesterday. He spoke for like 25 minutes, which was the longest press conference he's done in a while. Um, And he was asked about his offense and defense. He was asked specifically about the 3-3-5 defense and how he evaluated it and what he thinks about it. And he said that he thinks the 3-3-5 can work. He says if you look across college football, a lot of people are running it. Um, He feels like the issue they're having this season is, one, just consistency. He talked about how at times uh, it looks like, you know, they're a really good defense that can do – special things. And he mentioned the second half against Texas against an offense that had um, a first round running back and two first round wide receivers um, and some highly drafted potential linemen in the future. Also, Jatavian Sanders are tied in and they look good in the second half. Now, I also would say that it feels like this is kind of a trend for Texas. And it seems like they take their foot off the gas pedal a little bit in the second half of these games. And that's something they're going to have to figure out on their own. But the defense did a good job of taking advantage of that opportunity and making plays. Uh, he said the biggest issue with the consistency, though, is that they're still rebuilding on the defensive line. And they're a young group. He, said he likes the depth they have there, but they're really young. And he mentioned Dylan Horton last year being a player that just stepped up for them and made plays and um, did a lot of good things rushing the passer. And that they were super young last year with Dominic Williams – uh, but guys like Horton and, and Williams excelled and they were better than they expected them to be. And it made a huge difference uh, in that front six and that front seven, which I mean, I would agree with them. Um, I, I think D line and O line are two places where they have, they've seen the, the issues that Gary had late in his tenure with recruiting at those positions. And they have struggled to, you know, get it to a place where it's going to be effective. Uh, I guess my, my follow-up question would be like, he, he didn't seem to have those concerns before the year, at least publicly. Now, maybe he did, maybe internally they knew like, Hey, we're not great up front. That's going to be a weakness of our team or possibly he just had higher expectations for this group. And that's, I mean, that's fine. Like if, if he evaluated them in the, during camp and during spring practice and was like, well, I think we're going to be okay there. um, You know, that stuff happens. You can miss on those evaluations it's just fascinating to me how the tone has kind of changed now. And it's like, well, we're really, we're really rebuilding you know with our front seven and with our D line. And I had concerns about the D line before the year, uh, and it hasn't like it hasn't panned out and come to fruition in a good way. Uh, the other part of that too is, and this just seems to be Joe Gillespie's philosophy. I understand why it frustrates people. They don't bring a ton of pressure. And now in fairness, when they do bring pressure, they struggle to get home. So maybe that's the reason why. Like maybe he just doesn't think they have the linebackers and safeties that can come from different angles and get to the quarterback and then finish and make tackles. Um, that's that's all fair. But the problem is like, I mean, you have to find some way to simulate pressure. Like it's gotta be one or the other. If your D-line's not doing it, then you gotta find a way to, to get it done. But it, it, it feels like this defense, they're just com- comfortable and confident, this defense staff, and sitting back, allowing their secondary to work, and that hasn't been working. Now, I still think the defense has had a better season than the offense relative to expectations and with what I think this defense could be. I, I believe it's a defense that is predicated and needs to be paired with an offense that can score and can be efficient. Um, now, if they want to change their philosophy on that, they could make changes and do that. That's fine. Uh, But that just, it feels like that's kind of how the staff approaches it. You know, when they take over this, when they took over this team, that's kind of what they want their identity to be. Uh, But yeah, he thinks they got to get better on the D line, Uh, which I I wonder why more of those young guys haven't played then. I guess they just feel like they're not ready. I know they've really made an emphasis on trying to recruit that position. Um, And, you know, the portal as well is going to be a place where hopefully they can, supplement and fill in the gaps. But I think the issue is in the portal, uh, it's a premium spot. Like everybody needs help up front. It's – there's no other position like it where I guess maybe quarterback, it falls in the same category. You you really need older guys to be your starters and then allow young guys to sort of develop physically, get a better feel for college football, and then, um, you know, get to a place where they can play – more snaps when they're juniors and seniors and that kind of thing. Um, He was also asked about the offense and their issues. And he brought up a couple interesting stats. So he said they were looking at numbers going into the Texas game last week. And before the Texas game last year, they had 75 uh, scoring plays of 10 plus yards. This season going into the Texas game, they had 23. Last season, um, three plays, Uh, three touchdown plays of 40 yards or more, or excuse me, this season going into the Texas game, they had three plays of 40 yards or more that ended in a touchdown. Last year they had 29 going into the Texas game. So Sonny talked about the inefficiency on offense, penalties, um, you know, just not running the ball effectively all the time, Uh, the offensive line being an issue, especially the interior offensive line. But he seemed to highlight the biggest problem they've had this year is they don't, create explosive plays like last year's team he mentioned also wasn't great in the red zone like just the raw red zone numbers weren't fantastic they weren't always super efficient when they got down there and I mean we talked about that last season like I remember the West Virginia game they had a couple chances to sort of put that game away in the second half and they couldn't score Um, K-State struggled to score touchdowns at times Uh, we could go down the list like they when the field you know shrunk down and it was more about making plays, executing in those tighter windows, that team struggled. But they made up for it because they had so many huge plays for touchdowns. Um, This team just hasn't done that. And he talked about how, you know, yards per game, yards per play, it's actually pretty similar. It just comes down to some of these key things. Now, why are they not creating explosive plays? I think part of it is when you're bad up front, it's hard to run long passing routes, long developing plays, because you just can't protect long enough to get it done, Right. Um, the other issue is they're just not calling these. And, and maybe it is just as simple as the O-line's not good enough, uh, and they got to get better there before they can start creating explosive plays. Um, but there's just not a lot of shots down the field. I mean, I was trying to think of those three touchdown plays that were over 40 yards. I know one was JP Richardson, uh, you know, catching a pass against West Virginia, bouncing off a couple defenders and taking it to the house. He might have also had one against BYU that was 40-plus yards, or that might have been inside the 40. Uh, but my point being, like, there have not been a ton of, like, deep throws down the field, right? It's When we talk about explosive plays for this group, it's been Monty Bailey breaking one, which that hasn't been super consistent either, or dumping it off to a wide receiver, hitting a wide receiver on a quick route, and then that player getting yards after the catch. Um, so there's just not much in, in the way of the vertical passing game. And that was what Kendall was known for at Baylor. It wasn't exactly what it was known for at Arkansas, um, but they've just lost, you know, they've, they've lost that part of their offense. And Sonny spent a much longer time talking about the offense and the defense, and I found that kind of fascinating. Um, I'm not trying to read between the lines. That might just be as simple as Sonny is more involved in the offense. He's an offensive guy, so he probably has more perspective on, okay, this is what's going wrong. Uh, I need to take a quick break, but I'll continue this conversation in a minute. It's Locked on Horned Frogs at your team, and we do it here every day. LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the place to go if you need to hire people. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you see at LinkedIn.com slash college. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. They're the place to go if you need to find uh, people for your small business. That can be a high-stakes wager. You have to find the right folks who can do the job well for you um trust linkedin jobs linkedin.com locked on college you can post your job for free there they have simple screening questions so you can narrow down that list of potential candidates but they also are the biggest brand name in hiring and so they know you know how to find people what to do all those different things linkedin.com locked on college uh, thanks to linkedin for being a sponsor of the lockdown network all right, Locked On Horned Frogs, it's your team every day. Um, uh, uh, we'll get back to the offense in a minute. One cool thing, TCU is unveiling new uniforms um, on Saturday, and it's a variation of the alternates that they've been wearing the last few years that have the red accents, so like the gray jerseys with the red like numerals and red sleeves and that kind of thing, and then like the gray matte helmet. So here's the new helmet that they're wearing on Saturday against Baylor. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, there you see it: gray helmet and like a purple kind of cartoonish frog with red eyes and a red outline. It looks really cool. Now I'll say this: I'm a sucker for new uniforms. Like I've I've yet to see a uniform, a new uniform being unveiled that I don't really like. Except those horrible like 2014 when we wore like all the camo, all the variations of the camo, like they had the gray camo um, and like the purple camo. I didn't like that. Wasn't a fan of that just so you know Nike. Uh, But a lot of these new uniforms, I'm just like, yeah, I love this. I think it's great. I think it looks good. And so I thought that was really cool, the new TCU helmet. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was sort of a weird game to unveil it for, but it's a rivalry game, so I guess it makes sense. They're playing for the Blue Bonnet Battle Trophy, um, and it's the biggest rivalry game of the year for TCU when they take on Baylor. But back to the offense. I mean, Sonny spent a long time talking about this offense. Uh, and their issues. And he said they're still trying to figure out, like, okay, why can't we create explosive plays? And he also mentioned turnovers. He said that's the other big thing that just, like, from a margin standpoint has made a huge difference is that they're losing the turnover battle this year. They won the turnover battle so many times this year. And they're trying to find out, like, one, why they're not creating more turnovers on defense. Was it because last season they were ahead so much and they had teams kind of in desperate situations? Were they just more aggressive? You know, why, why can't they create turnovers? But also they've just had a lot of boneheaded turnovers this season. He talked about how they haven't fumbled the ball a lot, but a lot of interceptions. Of course, you've had kind of a QB carousel with some injuries, um, but got to protect the ball better. And, you know, I, I think, like, he's right in the sense that if you clean some of those things up, like if they just played cleaner football, then you could make an argument. They're 0-4 in one-score games if you split those, if you go, if you play cleaner football and you just split those and go two and two, then you're talking about a team that's still not doing well. Um, but you're six and four and you have a chance to go potentially beat Baylor and get to seven and four and then possibly get to eight wins against OU. And then, I mean, we're, we're still a CCU fans probably disappointed with how the season's gone, but I think there's a lot more optimism and okay. Uh, some things didn't break our way this year, a sort of reality check, but still comfortably bowl eligible uh, and have a chance to build on some things. Uh, Now the, the fascinating thing to me now about this team is I don't know they like there's going to be some changes, but I'm not sure where and Sonny's going to have to evaluate and pick and choose like, okay, what changes do I make? And then what's going to be the fallout from that? What pieces do I have that I can build on and what changes do I have to initiate to build around the, the pieces and the players that I think can really make this thing work. And so that's going to be a, a really interesting um, aspect of this offseason. A few questions from the audience um, before we get into our big 12 look around, and I'll, I'll just run through those scores quickly. But uh, Scott Harmon said, is Trey Sanders done? He didn't get any plays. So, I mean, as far as I know, Trey's healthy. I think his role has diminished as the year has gone on and he – sort of slowly became just more of a – instead of even a change of pace back, I mean, he was basically just like a goal line lineback. Um, the other thing I'll say is they're just not running the football much at all these days. I mean, I, I think they don't trust their O-line to block. I feel like also with Josh, he's more of an air, raid, an air raid quarterback, and they're using the quick passing game and the short passing game in place of what they were doing running the football early in the season. Um, but because Trey – is because they struggle to run the ball in general, like Amani has seen his carries go down, and now Trey's also seen his carries go down, which is, you know, not ideal. Um, and, yeah, that's a problem, and we'll kind of see what what's going on, you know, moving forward. But I, I don't know what Trey's situation is going to be during the off season and what choices he might have. Um, but, yeah, they've they've gotten away from him. I, to answer your question, though, I, I think he's healthy. I mean, I think he's available. They've just – gotten away from running the ball in general and he's been one of the guys that's had, you know, his pitch count has kind of suffered because of it along with Monty Bailey, um, who was getting more carries early in the year. Uh, Jesus said all these other teams can get a quarterback and put a quarterback in four or five star. Why can't we do that? Haas is the guy next year. Um, Yeah. I mean, they could potentially, and he might get into the spring and the fall and maybe he's just better than everyone, or maybe he has a higher ceiling than everyone else and he can play. Um, I mean, I still think it's better for young quarterbacks to sit. When you say everybody, I'd have to look at the numbers, but I still think a lot of these great programs, the young QBs, they don't start right away. Uh, I mean, even like Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, he ended up starting as a freshman, but it wasn't until four, five, six games into the season. Um, you know, obviously Alabama has had a pretty good factory of QBs, but they rarely – play young guys. I mean, I know Jaden Rosada, Rosada, excuse me, has started at Arizona state this year. It's been kind of mixed results. I mean, they're in a rebuild season, Uh, but you look at the great quarterbacks around the country. I mean, they're, they're players that have been around for a while. They're juniors and seniors. Um, I guess Caleb Williams at Oklahoma ended up getting in there when he supplanted Spencer Rattler. But again, like he wasn't a day one starter, you know, typically if you're starting your QB day one, as a true freshman, something's gone wrong. Like, you either don't have a very deep quarterback room or you've had some injuries. Um, I'm not totally against it. I'm not ruling it out. I'm just saying, like, I would be surprised if Haas ends up being your starter for the season opener next year. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, if he wins the job, he wins the job. I don't think they're going to keep him from winning the job if it's clear that he is the best player in that QB room. Uh, okay, quickly, I'll run through these Big 12 scores in our Big 12 Round segment. Um, UCF destroyed Oklahoma State 45-3. to Still can't make any sense of the pokes. Uh, UCF's a pretty talented football team. They've been competitive in a lot of these games, just haven't found a way to put together uh, wins and get it done. Uh, but a huge day from R.J. Harvey. They're running back 24 carries, 206 yards, and three touchdowns. And now the Big 12 championship race gets even more muddled. It looks like Oklahoma State just had a clear path to easily take care of their business and they end up losing to um, UCF. Texas Tech over Kansas, 16-13. Jason Bean uh, got injured in that ball game, and so Kansas actually had to go to their third-string walk-on quarterback, and Cole Ballard was 9-20 for 124 yards in a pick. They had a chance late in that game. But they actually kicked a field goal to tie it to send it to overtime, but then the Tech defense got to stop, and uh, they hit a field goal late. Todd Brooks had 133 yards on 33 carries. They just, you know, kept it on the ground with him. And credit to Joe McGuire and his staff, I and mean, they've got that team five and five now. They've won two in a row. If they beat UCF this week, they'll make the postseason and make a bowl game. And then they finish the season with uh, with Texas. Oklahoma beats West Virginia, fifty nine to twenty. Best game for the Sooners in a while. Dylan Gabriel, four hundred and twenty three yards and five touchdowns. Uh, Kansas State destroys Baylor, fifty nine to twenty five. I told, I said this yesterday. Nobody makes a bad team look bad like the Kansas State Wildcats. It's just what they do. Like, they they feast on people's mistakes. They're not going to hurt themselves. They know how to make bad teams look bad. And, unfortunately, for Baylor, they're a bad team. And, you know, we'll see what they do against TCU this week. But um, not a lot to love about Dave Aranda's group right now. Cincinnati, they get their first Big 12 whenever with a 24-14 to win over Houston. Um, Emory Jones had a touchdown pass, also had 131 yards passing. And then Iowa State, they blow out BYU 45-13. to So the Cyclones get a victory, um, and they're now 5-2 in Big 12 play. Iowa State with a huge game at Jack Trice Stadium uh, when they take on Texas in Ames this coming week. And it'll be another team with a chance to try to knock off the Longhorns. But, you know, Texas has had a lot of close games overall, though they've been able to maintain – um, that, uh, almost perfect record in big 12 play did have that lost Oklahoma, but since then it bounced back and it played really well, uh, so far this season. When we come back, TCU basketball, they get a win over UT Rio Grande Valley. So we'll recap that. We'll talk about that next. It's locked on warm frogs. FanDuel, fanduel has got a great deal going on right now. Go to fanduel.com slash on and place any $5 money line bet. If you're a new customer. Any $5 money line bet you want, if you win, you get $150 in bonus bets. That's $150 bucks if you just win on a $5 money line bet. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. They have a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over unders, and more. FanDuel.com slash locked on kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. Again, $5 money line bet. $150 in bonus bets. They also have a great, easy-to-use app But you can go to Fanduel.com and take advantage – excuse me, Fanduel.com slash on and take advantage of that deal today. Sloppy first half for TCU basketball last night, but they end up winning 88-55. They pull away from the Rio Grande Valley Vaqueros um, on Tuesday evening, and they move to 3-0 on the season. Your leading scorer was Jacoby Coles. He had 16 points. Jacoby looked really confident, really smooth. Another great night, 7-12 from the field in 25 minutes. One guy that impressed me in the first half, Chuck O'Bannon came off the bench and made some things happen. He only had five points on the day, um, but the offense was really struggling early. He was able to get the line and hit one of two free throws. Um, he had a couple offensive rebounds, had a putback on one of them, then got another offensive rebound and dribbled inside the lane and kicked it out to Jacoby Coles, who had a three-pointer. So he had some positive minutes. Off the bench again. This team is deep. You know, Emmanuel Miller had 11 points. He was kind of out of control early. Didn't look super comfortable with the ball in his hands, but eventually got in a rhythm and made some plays. Jameer Nelson Jr. continues to be consistently good. 15 points. Micah Peavy uh, added 10 points. Played great defense again. Um, Ernest Uday, just just not quite there yet. Again in the starting lineup. Again, zero points in 16 minutes. Did have five rebounds. Um, had two blocks like he's a force in the middle rebounding the ball he can play defense but offensively just hasn't gotten comfortable yet really haven't seen him featured a lot in the pick and roll or as much as I thought maybe they would going into the season just feels like he's still trying to get his footing um but Avery Anderson had 15 points off the bench you know they played decent defense. All night long, much better defense in the second half. UT Rio Grande Valley shot 41% from the field. TCU shot 51% from the field. Really good night shooting the basketball from beyond the arc for the Frogs. 8 of 17 from 3, uh, good for 47% shooting. So TCU basketball, they continue to build and get better. They're now 3-0 in the season. Um, Jamie Dixon said after the game, he's still kind of searching for his five guys that he feels most comfortable with, and a lot of it's just going to come down to, who can be uh, tenacious on defense, like who's going to step up and be a guy who will shut people down and play with great effort on that end of the ball. Their next game is on Friday against Mississippi Valley State, and then they play next Tuesday against Alcorn State before they get a few days off for the uh, the Thanksgiving holiday. But three more games at home, Mississippi Valley State, Alcorn State, and Houston Christian, um, before they play Georgetown uh, on December 2nd. That will be of the first real you know, power five test of the season um, against a team in Georgetown that has a great basketball history. And uh, they played Georgetown a few years ago uh, and got a nice win on the road that sort of spearheaded a a good season for the Frogs. That'll do it for Lockdown Horn Frogs. It's your team ever.